You're listening to DraftKings Network. Welcome back to Journeyman. Today we're talking Dame Lillard's ascension into superstardom, rivals turned teammates, unresolved beef, and so much more. Who are these guys? It's my theme music. Every good hero should have some. This is an institution of learning, ladies and gentlemen. If you can't control it, how can you teach? Discipline is not the enemy of enthusiasm. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Journeyman, brought to you by the good folks at the DraftKings Network and Meadowlark Media. As always, I'm your host, Andrew Hawkins, seven-year NFL vet, three-month NBA scout. Did you know that, Amin? No, I didn't. All right, well, I'm joined by Amin El Hassan, all things sports, specifically guru of the NBA, which is especially timely for today's topic. Three months, huh? Three months. I was a scout for three months for the Detroit Lions before I played in the NFL. Quick story. So I was an intern in the front office, and this was, I think, the second year that Calvin Johnson was there. The Detroit Lions actually went 0-16 and 16 this yeah. season, right? <laughs> that was and the so, season, by the way, Dan, Dan Levitard thought they'd go to the playoffs. <laughs> there you go. The beginning of the year, he said, <laughs> I think this, this is a playoff team. They went I over think 16. this team is good. So I was scouting as like a, my first year out of college. I got invited there to be a scouting intern because I wanted to be a general manager. Uh-huh. And so I'm there scouting, and I had the wide receivers. And so I was scouting the wide receivers every day. Now, I'm a very objective person, uh-huh. right? But people don't know that. They think I'm a hater. So I'm watching the receivers, and I'm like, yo, I could play in the NFL. <laughs> right? <Yo. laughs> and so I'm, I'm scouting for the Lions, but I'm in the weight room, like, lifting. And I'm like, I got this new energy of, like, yo, I could play in the league. There, there's only one player here that I think is better than me, and it was Calvin Johnson. He was the only one on that team. That's, that was the one where you're like, you had to give it up. And so at the end of, like, the internship, they offered me a full-time job to come in as a scout right. with the Detroit Lions. And is this pro scouting, college, all levels? All levels. So okay. you would just come work in the front front gotcha. office. I was under um, uh, Martin Mayhew, who's now mm-hmm. the GM in Washington, as well as uh, Sheldon White, who was the director of player personnel. And I was a really good scout because right. I would break it down. They had like a fifth-round pick that I ripped to shreds. I was uh, like, this is all the problems. Right. This isn't going to be good. This guy isn't going to be great. Calvin Johnson, he was the number two behind Roy Williams at the time. And I'm right. like, I don't know what we're, you're waiting for, but – He's by far and away the best, best receiver on this team. He's the number one. I don't yeah. care how young he is, right? And so they offered me this full-time position. They basically were like, hey, but you got to be done because we can kind of smell yeah. the stint of playing on yeah, you. Yeah, absolutely. You, you're kind of walking around as if you think you can do this, and you know, you're know five. And so I turned the job down to go chase the dream. And that's when you went to the CFL? From there, I went on a reality show. From the reality <laughs> show, I went to the CFL. From the CFL, I went and played seven seasons in the NFL. And I would play against the Lions. And they were like, you are the first intern, <laughs> scouting intern we've ever had, to play against us every year after that. Yes. So we're both front office. There you go. That's what I'm trying to get to. You're a suit. Yeah, I'm a suit. <laughs> so here we are. Uh, this is the day after the 4th of July. And I'll be honest with you, I mean, I don't know what I'm supposed to celebrate, man. What'd you do on your 4th? I hung out with my kids. I played Monopoly. I lost for the first time. Yeah. To my kids in Monopoly. All right, here's the curveball. What you do for Juneteenth? I think I was working. Do you know what to do on Juneteenth? Yeah. What do you do? Just cook. Eat. Who, who gets to celebrate Juneteenth? I feel I, like. I've said this many a time. White people shouldn't get Juneteenth off. They shouldn't get yeah. to be off yeah. of work on yeah. Juneteenth. Yeah. I, I like, by the way, I love all the people who complain about, oh, these made up holidays. Like, so you don't want time off? <laughs> like, uh, how, you know how racist you got to be to be like, hey, man, here's a paid day off. No. <laughs> like, what's wrong with you? I refuse. You, it was very hard for me explaining to my children 
the difference between Juneteenth and July 4th, mm-hmm. like at once, because they're young enough. Now, now that they're both national holidays, I got to mm-hmm. lump them. This is a two week span. This is yeah. Juneteenth was a couple weeks ago. Yes, it was. So I got to be like, yo, this is what this is. This is who gets to celebrate this. And they're like, well, what is the what is the overall message for Juneteenth? What is it? Is it like <laughs> making is, things right? Is it like eventually getting to do that? Because Juneteenth a, was like. It's a messed up holiday. When you it's really a messed up. There's no good way to Juneteenth, explain it, bro. This is the day where all the slaves that they didn't tell that the, <laughs> the, the, the Civil War was over. <laughs> like that. This is the day they found out. They, they got around to doing the right thing. So that's what you should do on Juneteenth. Celebrate by getting around to do the thing that you've you been putting been, off. Been that, should, that should have been done a while ago. As a matter of fact, I celebrated Juneteenth on July 4th because that is the spirit. I waited a couple weeks, and then I finally got around to it. Hey, man, you know that birthday cake of yours that you left in the fridge and (laughs) and disappeared? Go clean some some stuff up. That was me. That was me. I ate it. (laughs) Do the right thing. That's Juneteenth. I had a great July 4th. Me and the kids went and celebrated. We uh, went and watched fireworks. We cooked out, and it just, I don't know, it hit me like a— a ton of bricks trying to figure out like okay like the ah man you know what man i've i've given like you know what i i tell my kids all these holidays are made up anyway like yeah, it's fake. a day off that's all it is i i had to work too i don't think about it. i worked anyway but but it, it's like you, you just I, you can't i don't i'm not into ascribing these like bigger ideals to a day off president's day we have to remember all the no we don't it's just a day off it's just a day enjoy the day go do your thing yeah. man all right well sid, sid colston isn't here with us today where she typically is i don't know if you've seen the clip of her going viral this weekend but i don't know if there was a better clip <laughs> in the history of this show journeyman that perfectly encapsulates what this show is she's on the bench just goofing around. That's typically how Sid is going viral, and it's funny because that is the journeyman experience. Uh, it's it took me back to school, man. Where you messing around? Like, oh, the teachers come. Hold on, chill. And then teacher walk away. Right back. Now we back. And it's funny. We had a conversation last week about old dance moves that are no longer cool, like the gritty, the dab. And I talked about hitting them, folks. And she was like, no, that that's still good. And in this clip, she's doing it. And I yeah. realized it's probably not still a good dance to do. She just still does it. So in her <laughs> mind, so, so, it's still good. So so basically, she was biased in her answer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so the reason why she's like, no, it's still cool is because she's still doing it. Exactly. <laughs> I wish you were here because I needed a, I needed a third. I thought, I, was, you would, I thought you would go with Cabbage Patch or something like cabbage, that. Oh, that's way out the way, man. <laughs> if you're doing the Cabbage Patch in 2023... That's something you need to do on June 10th. It's stuck Put the in Cabbage Patch to dead. Juwan Howard doing the Cabbage Patch is stuck <laughs> in my brain forever. I don't know why, but it's just like anytime someone says the Cabbage Patch, I always think of Juwan Howard at Michigan. Right. Uh, I, I, I get it. That's that's a 30-year-old dance, so that, that timeline seems about right. Um, the dance is so old, its son is in the NBA now. <laughs> <laughs> the good old dance lineage. The gritty is the son of the Cabbage Patch. All right, so, I mean, you got, like, a little bit of a hangover from NBA free agency, I would imagine. That's not a hangover. We're still drunk, buddy. We're still drunk. We are we still, still fully drunk. We are still lit. Until Damian Lillard gets traded. Damian, I mean, what is, what's going on with Damian Lillard? I, he requests the trade, mm-hmm. right? There's obviously new news on this. It's, it's exciting to watch. It's mm-hmm. great when you get, like, some big-time free yeah. agency news that keeps on going. Blockbuster status. Yeah. Does this make Dame Lillard officially an NBA superstar? Because he, <laughs> he's finally requested a trade. Because you can't really be a superstar until you move all the pieces yeah. yourself. Well, yeah, at least uh, yes, I like that. You got to at least request it. Doesn't necessarily have to happen. But like, think about like Kobe Bryant, uh-huh. who 
You know, it was like, oh, he retired the Lakers 20 years. Like, yeah, but y'all don't remember when he, he was, was trying to get up out of there. He was trying to get up out of there and broke that news to a 15-year-old with a cell phone camera back when cell phone cameras weren't good. Right, right. He was demanding trades in parking lots in the Orange County, right? <laughs> like on a flip phone, exactly. So, yeah, I, I think everyone's got to go through that. I don't think LeBron has ever requested a trade, though. No, but I mean, but he like, hasn't requested a trade, but he obviously left Cleveland. And I think more than twice. requesting a trade, it's like— because I try to think of the NFL comp. It's like literally you're so good that you have the leverage to move any of the pieces yeah. you want to. And that's like in for most sports fans, they think or assume, or at least prior to this generation, that the team or yeah. the club was in charge. But you can be so good at sports that you are the de facto coach, general manager, president, whatever you want to say, because you can dictate what a franchise does. And Dame Lillard has been that on the court right. as far as his ability. But he's just been so team. He gets his contract. Yeah. He's quiet. They never actually add any help. He never gets to play with an all-star. And subsequently, he never gets to compete for championships. He's been he's been too good a guy. Like, you know, they, you ever yeah. heard this term? They got this in football, too coachable? Yes, too well, coachable. Too coachable. So, like, in basketball. He needs an edge. Yeah, you, like, there's a point in time where it's like, yeah, coach wants you to do this, but you got to say, F that, I'm going to do yep. this. Mm -hmm. And on paper, someone's like, no, 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 you always have to listen to coach. You're like, no, sometimes nope. being a star is about, like, knowing when to break script, right? Yep. And, and in that regard, not obviously on the court, but, like, in regards to controlling his own career, I think Damian Lillard hasn't broken script early yeah. enough, nearly yep. enough as he needed to. And I think the other part of it is LeBron. what LeBron realized very quickly when he left Cleveland the first time is the way the salary cap is going – Instead of valuing long-term security, I should be valuing flexibility and leverage. And so what he started doing is getting shorter and shorter deals. Mm -hmm. And that, in essence, gives him – it's not just that he's great at, at what he does, but he's also got the stick of, y'all don't do what I like. I'm going to just leave. I'm going to just leave. I don't have to ask for a trade or demand a trade. I'll just leave. I have an option. I have, uh, this is only a two-year deal, and there's an option on the third or an option on the second year. I can leave. And that's the thing that I thought we'd see more of, to be mm -hmm. honest with you. Since he started doing that, I thought we'd see more guys. But a lot of guys really value the security. They want to know, like, look, I've got this thing coming. No you know what, what else it is in me? It's not so – I mean, it is valuing the security, but I think it's also a confidence thing because that is being a superstar. The <laughs> other part of that is you can go shorter-term deals. It's like media. It's all the same. Yeah. We can go shorter-term deals – if I feel like I'm that guy, like yeah. I feel like I'm always going to be valuable because I'm him. Yeah. I can go as short as I want because this money ain't going to stop flowing. Yeah. Whereas if you don't really believe yeah. that in two years you'll be having the seasons or the statistics to deserve that max, mm -hmm. you benefit now. So That's there's a confidence that comes along that ties to being a superstar. I liken it to NFL quarterbacks can do that. If you are yeah. him, you can say, yo, I need this on the outside. I need this kind of O-line or I'm not showing up or I'm not signing that contract that's, or I'm yeah. not doing this. There's not a lot of other positions that can do that. See, that's that's the funny. That's the, always the NFL way is like if I don't like it, I'm just not going to show up. Mm -hmm. The NBA way is like if I don't like it, I'm going to show up and I'm going to mess all this thing up. Right? <laughs> I'm going to go Jimmy Buckets exactly. on Exactly. Yeah. So, which is, again, another reason. Dame, too, too nice, right? Too He's nice. never showed up and made life incredibly uncomfortable for everybody around him. And that's a trick. If you when you want something in the NBA, you don't ask for it. You make everyone. You, you light things on fire, and then you sit there in the middle of the room and like, what do you want? <laughs> my agent told me earlier in my career, the squeaky wheel gets the oil. Oh, man. And you know what? I would always say this to Andy Dalton, who was my quarterback at Cincinnati. And early on, he was like second round pick, 
had A.J. Green, but he was balling. He was playing right. way better than people expected. He was taking the franchise that hadn't been a perennial playoff team to the playoffs every year. And I remember being in meetings, and Jay Gruden was the O.C., and he would always kind of come at Andy's neck a little bit because mm -hmm. that's just his personality. Yeah. Jay is like a player himself. And I would pull Andy to the side, and I'm like, yo, man, I get it. You want to listen to the coach. You went to TCU. You're you know devout <laughs> Christian. I appreciate everything that you're about. At some point, you got to start bucking back. He would say things in the meeting to coach, and he'd be like, I bet you if we had Cam Newton. That oh, and I was like, yo, wow. man, I'm as agreeable as they come. Yeah. I'm telling you right now, if they come, if he comes at me that way, I'm going to come back at him, and you should too. Stop taking plays you right. don't feel good about and doing them in the game, because when they go wrong, it comes back no on one, you. Yeah, no they one. don't take – and so that was always something for Andy. And if you think about Andy Dalton, who is honestly – he is way better than people give him credit for, mm. but it's because he's let all that kind of stuff slide, both in the media, behind the scenes, when we're at the places. And the knock on someone like Andy is that he's he's too nice, which is an incredible thing to be as a person. But it, but the the flip side is people are always yapping their gums about you. Who who's the guy that did the best job of flipping the switch of being legitimately a nice person, and uh -huh. then when stepped on the field. Was like, oh my god, like ruthless, almost like you couldn't believe that this was the same person. In football, yeah, it's oh, a tough one. Either someone you played with or someone you played against. Mine was was Grant Hill, because mm, Grant Hill, one. Grant Hill is literally. I I say this. Grant Hill is so good of a human being. It makes you feel bad about yourself. That's You're a like, great what one. am I doing with my life, man? This yeah, dude yeah, is yeah. doing all this stuff. Yeah. And is that nice and that gracious and that patient with people and caring and connects and all that stuff. And then I remember I was I was running the scoreboard in practice, and you know they were going through a drill, and you know they cheat. They always cheat. <laughs> they try to cheat the score. So like right. Grant's like yelling at me, screaming at me. That's five. It's got to be five. You only got four. It's like no, I, I thought I counted. And I was like, and, and because it's Grant, I was like five. And then later on, it was like, oh no, like that was just, he just. <laughs> completely, complete like Jekyll and Hyde. Stepped on a court, started cheating, Turned into and, and being angry and cussing people out. And I was like, who is this guy? I was like, I, that's a great example. I would say Troy Palomalu. Oh, is he, he really nice play, in, oh, he in real life? The, oh, my gosh, bro. You know, he is maybe one of the nicest human beings. Like, the nicest human being I've ever encountered off the field of anybody I've played against. He would... Obviously, try to take my head off yeah. every time we played, and he would succeed in most times. He's Troy Palomalu, is a very scary dude. Um, but after he would hit you, he would say, "God bless you." He would, <laughs> he would be praying for you. I'm not. This is no exaggeration. He would pray for us in between the plays. So he would like take me off. One time, he helicoptered me, and I literally was looked like I was break dancing <laughs> on the field. My knee felt like it was it fell off, and I'm like jogging back to the huddle, trying to be cool. And he says, God bless you, 16. <laughs> and he has a very, like, Michael Jackson-esque high-pitched voice. He's signing the crossing you, like, oh, over top of your body. And he's apologizing. I'm sorry about that. And I'm like, I don't know what's going on. There you go. Talk about uncomfortable. That, I don't know, that might make you more uncomfortable than just being an a-hole, right? So, anyway, speaking more about uncomfortability, we'll be right back to talk a little bit about Chris Paul. Drop the bass. All right, I mean, I, I, I've been seeing a lot of news about sports media. Obviously, there was a lot of ESPN cuts uh, recently. We have a lot of friends over there. Mm -hmm. um, but I want to talk about a show even beyond that. And if you have any insight there as a former ESPNer, mm -hmm. uh, please give it to me before I go on to what I think the most exciting sports television show is going today. 
It's not journeyman? No. Well, second. Yes. Journeyman number one. Thank you. Absolutely. Best one going. Uh, I should have went started there. Is what it is, man. Oh, come on, man. That's that's right there. That's that's the future. That I mean That's the future. Honestly, right there, and man. I know we I'm I we joke a lot. We say a lot of funny things here. I'm not kidding. I don't know if there's a sports show beyond Journeyman, beyond the Lebetard universe that I am more engaged with than watching it is what it is with rapper Cameron and rapper Mace. Yeah. You know what it is? Is it is no? Um, <laughs> it is is what it is. It's there's a lot. You know, it's funny if you just sit down and watch. You don't know who these guys are. It's a funny show. But I think when you know the the background and the context, it makes it even richer, right? Like first of all, these guys are both they're they're rappers, like you said, they're music artists, uh-huh. and so they're you know they're they're doing a sports show and they're doing it well, right? They're doing it funny, entertaining, engaging. But, like, this isn't their chosen profession. They haven't been doing this. It's not like they had a music podcast first and then they right. did. Like, this is their foray into journalism, I guess, whatever you want to call this, mm-hmm. of this nature. But then you go back and say, these guys are childhood friends yep. and played on the same high school basketball team. And so you got that, like, that history there, that shared chemistry of, like, this is someone it's like my brother. But then... You go, oh, also, they had, like, this whole span where they didn't like each other. I love Very it. publicly, right? So it's just all of those things when you have all that context in there and you're watching, you're like, man, this is this is real uh, moving stuff, more than just the funny jokes or whatever. I, Yo. I, I, I enjoy it tremendously. I saw them. They came to Suns Nuggets in the second round. I went to that game. I saw uh-huh. them. I told them. I said, man, you guys, uh, my Probably my favorite show to watch. That's not an exaggeration. The thing that they do really well is that they don't have the stink of sports media on them, mm-hmm. right? Because when you get in this, there's like a, a part of you that feels like you have to follow suit. You got to be, you got to well, do it a certain way. You got to talk a certain way. There's certain things you can't venture into. The fact that they, like the, everyone tries to do the quote unquote barber talk, a barbershop talk, they are truly just. I mean, it's vulgar. Yeah. They, they say what they, the hell they want to say. Yeah. They give their opinions. It's not politically correct whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And there's because there's not a lot of lanes like that that have a show about sports that look along the same lines as right. what we're used to, it fills a void that you feel like, man, I can't I can't stop watching this. My cousin Proof, always, whose birthday was yesterday, shout out Proof. Shout out Proof. Happy birthday, my um, G. He had this concept. I mean, this one we were like in high school, he was talking about this concept called Life Without Consequences. Mm-hmm. Like what's life without? Like, imagine life without consequence. You could walk up, you could slap your teacher, and then sit down, and then, like no, <laughs> nothing would happen, right? Like you just, you know, if you want to walk in a bank and rob the bank and walk away, and like there's no alarms, no cops coming for you, you just have got money it's or whatever. The purge, but, but yeah. So he's like, <laughs> he's talking about life without consequences, and it applies here. They are in a place where they are untouchable because they aren't in the mainstream. They aren't mm-hmm. in the lanes or whatever. They don't work for an ESPN or a Fox or an NBC. So they don't, they're not beholden to anyone other than their viewers and their fans. And their yep. viewers and their fans are there for a reason. Mm-hmm. They're not like, oh, let me, oh, I enjoy this. <gasps> he said, what? Well, I'm never watching. You know, those aren't their fan. Their fan base are people who really resonate with that stuff. And uh, a buddy of mine who's a stand-up comedian, his name's Andrew Schultz, mm-hmm. kind of, in comedy was one of these guys pushing that angle years ago. He told me, like, I, w- I don't want to 
do a special for a Comedy Central. I don't want to do Netflix. I don't want to do HBO. I just want to go direct to. It's like I go, I sell out clubs all over this country. Four dates: Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Two two shows on Saturday, two, two shows on Sunday. You can't tell me I don't have an audience that's going to watch me wherever I am. Right. Where people are like, well, I don't know, and he's too risky, and da da da. And so he w- went out and set out and created this whole empire, really, through that of just saying, look, I'm not trying to impress Viacom or you know or Disney. I'm trying to impress my fans. And I think Cam and Mace, they have that. They're not trying to impress ESPN or mm-hmm. you know, or Fox. They don't need to. Nah. They're they going don't. right to the consumer, and the consumer's there. Direct to consumer. And the thing about the sports media stuff is it's not easy. I mean, I think a lot of athletes specifically mm-hmm. get in here, they pick up a mic, and they think it's easy. Travis Kelsey actually went on record and said podcasting yeah. was the hardest thing he's ever done. And this is a guy who is arguably the best tight end to ever play in the NFL. And he's not wrong because it really is hard. There are so many elements that I think people in general, not just players, I honestly hate podcasts of certain people. I, I hate podcasts that don't have a specific skill to it, that it's just you think it's literally pick up a mic and just start talking mm-hmm. because you can't engage. There's no entertainment value. There isn't an understanding of what the audience wants versus what you, you know, your own value proposition is. And Mace and Cameron, for two rappers who understand entertainment, they understand audience, they understand putting on a show – they have transitioned right. into the media game of it actually pretty seamlessly. You know who else had a really good version of this? Who? I don't know. I don't think he still does it, but Snoop. Snoop had this uh, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. had yep. this uh GGN News Network. Yeah. That he used to have on YouTube and, and he'd do interviews. And I will not I won't lie to you. Like when I was watching his stuff, this was right around me starting at ESPN or Earlier in my career, uh-huh. and you know that was my—I never even tried to be in media or wanted to be in media. Like this thing just happened to me, so I'm like, "Yo, I like the way he interviews people. Mm-hmm. I like the way he asks the questions. I like the way he goes about it." Now they're getting high the whole time too. Yeah, I was gonna say <laughs> they was—they was, was uh, blunted up. Oh man, crazy! I think Seth Rogen. Uh, lit up a, a cross. I've never seen this like <laughs> oh where it's like gosh. a blunt and then another blunt and it makes a cross, like a crucifix. That's and the, then they light the other three sides and then they pull on it and they're talking about rolling weed and all that stuff. But like Snoop really is a great interviewer. Yeah, like he's got he's got that talent, he's got that skill, and and that grew for him. Now you know NBC whenever they're doing Olympic coverage. I don't know if you ever watched that, like the Olympics After Dark. Yep, yep. it's him and Kevin Hart. Yep. And, you know, I get, I get it. They got writers and stuff, but like, there's still a still funny. It's funny, but also, you know, there's there's a skill to that too. Absolutely, you can't just hand a joke to someone and, and expect them it. to deliver. So, I I, I really enjoy. I, I guess I never thought about it that when you're an entertainer like that, like on the scale that they are, and the number of interviews that they've done as subjects, mm-hmm. that you're it actually hones your ability to do it on the other side, right? In a way that I don't know that athletes have the same kind of thing. I don't know why. Yeah, well, not it, not all athletes, because right. there are some athletes who are obviously very, very good. Right, uh, you're looking at one of me, <laughs> and uh, I don't want to get ventured too far down the lane where we can't we can't walk it back. No, um, you know what's funny about Snoop? I had to turn down a smoke session with Snoop. What? Yeah, man. I think everyone always has like a a smoke session story with Snoop, and my story is I had to turn it down because. I just a lot of reasons. I'm not a smoker. Doesn't matter. It I'm doesn't not a smoker matter. either. Right. I, and it's like I, that's I what it. I always told myself. I'm like, if Snoop asked me, then I'm gonna go. I, yeah. I played in him and Matt Barnes's charity oh. black football game. And I got the God. MVP. 
I was out there with like T.O., Reggie I, Bush. I'm not name dropping. I'm just letting you know I'm like that, right? I mean, hold on. Did they test you beforehand? Because, I wasn't in the league. I was done. No, I'm talking about to play in the game. Oh. It's like the opposite. You got to test positive to be in this game. Right. Snoop like, oh, and no, Matt Barnes? Good Lord. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was clean clean pee for your boy. Uh, <laughs> so I balled, and they were like, yo, MVP, Snoop wants you to come back. Yeah. And it was like, I heard the music, like, like I had to make a decision. I'm thinking, I'm like, do I do this? I called my wife. I'm like, yo, I, I feel like I shouldn't turn it down. She's like, I don't feel like you shouldn't turn it down either. I'm like, yeah, but I don't smoke. Ultimately, I said no. Um, nah, man. And I, I don't think I've been invited back to a Snoop function I, since. I would definitely. I don't smoke, but right. I, I 1,000%. If Snoop asks, yeah, man. Because, and I'm not saying every time. Yeah, but if just the first time. I do it that one time. And with the re- like, I, with acceptance, I mean, you're going to fall asleep. And, right. and everyone's going to be like, ah, and they're going to laugh at you, <laughs> and you're going to cough, and they're going to go, oh, baby, lungs. Like, all that stuff is going to happen. But I get to walk away saying, you I smoke with Snoop. Man. Yeah, so you're saying I made the wrong decision. Absolutely. All right, speaking of wrong decisions. Were you, wait, were you active? I wasn't active. No, you made the, the worst decision ever. Okay, so <laughs> worst decision ever. Back to NBA free agency news. Yeah. Chris Paul goes to the Golden State Warriors. I'm not going to lie, it's a little weird for me. It is weird. It, it's a weird thing. This is someone he's battled against, and Jeff, our producer, Asked if there was a team that, like, from in the NFL side or in my own career, that I was ever like, oh, I don't think I would want to go play for them. And I don't think athletes think like that. Mm-hmm. I think at some point, every athlete is going to go where the money is One. or the op- opportunity. That's just not, it's business for us. But from a, a, the other side of it, I mean, is it not weird to think about Chris Paul? Suiting up as a Golden State Warrior? I, I, well, I think there's two things. One is that you go where the money is. But two, also, I think athletes, you guys have a delusion about you. Yeah, that, we're crazy. That, so, no, I don't know. In, no, but it's true. Like, you have to be. Yeah. Because if you're level-headed and stuff, you would never. Yes. Like, a level-headed person would say, full-time job with the Detroit Lions as a scout. I, I, I want to be a GM one day. This is my dreams coming true. Right. But you had the athlete crazy GM. Like, I'm better than these guys right here. <laughs> and <laughs> Scout the team. I should be starting for <laughs> exactly. the Lions. Right? Like, so yeah. you have to have that, right? And so part of the reason is you go where the money is, but also the other part of the reason is like, man, I could play with them. Like, you tell me I can't play with these guys or that I wouldn't be able to fit or I wouldn't be able to make these guys better. I think there's a, a like a pride about it that's like you could never tell me that I can't play here and I wouldn't be successful. Do you think it works? Do you think this equation is going to work? Draymond Green has gone on record saying he does not like Chris Paul. He respects him. There's obviously a lot of battles. Now you add another big personality. I would imagine if Draymond swings on Chris, Chris swinging back. In the nuts. It, yeah. It's, it, He's it's got a track fight record. Fight to the death. And, which and, by the way, Draymond's got a track record, too. Draymond's wow. got It's going to be great. But, like, is it? Is it should we be more excited team. about them two being together on one team against others? Or do we think internally – it may not work. You said it. there was a great point that you guys made on the Levitard show. There's only three players in the league who have been on the same team since, since 2012, and it's Draymond, Clay, and Steph. That is a chemistry. That is a brotherhood. That is a history there. Do you think Chris Paul is going to be able to infiltrate that and fit within it? This is what I would say. More often than not in the NBA, when you have a guy who plays on another team that you hate, and then you end up playing with him, they you know, always end up being best, best friends. friends. Like, oh, this guy's awesome, right? <laughs> so, like, I think about Dennis Rodman. Uh-huh. I mean, think about, like, you said, like, oh, Chris Paul and, and uh, Draymond Green and Draymond. I don't like him. I respect him. Think about the relationship between Dennis Rodman and Michael and Scotty. Mm-hmm. Like, Dennis in Detroit, where it's, like, literally they had a codified 
plan plan to beat y'all up literally like, like be dirty and inflict and, pain and inflict pain and and be generally just make your life miserable but they were all the same person as we can tell by them not being able to stop talking stuff in media Dennis Rodman said that today Larry Bear would be playing overseas yeah I mean Dennis Rodman's also really high I mean okay. man, like he's That's bo- what and I'm not talking about the Snoop variety like this dude's on, <laughs> oh, come on. on some other stuff man no but like the reality is this it's like Mike and Scotty weren't friends. Yeah. They were co-workers. They had like a... a that makes me shatters, cry a little yeah. bit. Shatters I'm not going to lie, Every man. 90s <laughs> kid's like childhood. Like, I tried to play a cool sports media. Like, yes, go on. But then like an inside, like a tear. Yeah. I felt the internal tear drop you in saw my own little, face. Little Hawk in the living room with the TV. He was so, watching, you just made him so sad. Watching sick Mike being hugged by Scotty and like, no, look, friends. Look at my eyes. I'm getting teary-eyed. <laughs> he is, man. Thinking about... The fact that Scotty and Mike are like, you just broke news to me. I'm like, wait a minute, what? I thought I thought this was just a riff going on right nah, now. Man, they've never they've never been friends. I'm not saying they're enemies. You really, yo, you look like an anime right now. His eyes got the big white dot in there from the moisture. Go on, man. No, but but uh, power through. God. But like, and then you add Dennis to it, and that both of them hated Dennis when he played in Detroit. But it's like, oh wait, you do this really well, and oh, I do. It All right, well, like, yeah, it fits. And so my question isn't from that standpoint. My question is the expectation I think Golden State has for Chris Paul is that he's reached the David West, Sean Livingston, Andrew Bogut phase of his career. And those were all Mm -hmm. guys who were like all-stars or really highly regarded players early in their careers. And then when they came to Golden State, it was like this is the end of the road, but I'm here to bring my IQ and kind of my gamesmanship to help this thing be better. I don't know. I'm not denying or agreeing. I'm just saying I don't know where Chris Paul's mind is at. Is his mind still? I'm still a starting point guard in this league. Uh, I'm damn near an all-star. I went to the finals two years ago or Mm -hmm. however, three years ago now. Or is it like, hey, I I can be a piece to what these guys are trying to do? Because Mm -hmm. the first thing we got to start with, hey, Chris Paul, by the way, you coming off the bench. Mm. Like Yo, P, they said I got to come off the bench. You know, like that's a again going back to athlete delusion. You, yeah. you just quoted Carmelo Anthony being asked about coming out the bench, and it, to him it was as ridiculous as saying, "Hey, uh, do you want a uh, the scouting internship instead of playing?" <laughs> like it was like, "What? Like what? how? How dare you? How dare you?" If that part hasn't been resolved inside of Chris Paul, it won't work. Then it won't work. Mm, okay. Well, we'll be back in a second. Uh, Amin will be here talking to NBA and crushing more childhood dreams. All right, so this past weekend, Michael Rubin, who is the owner of Fanatics and the owner of the Philadelphia 76ers, had his infamous all-white party. He's the most popular white man in America. Oh, man. And, I mean, star-studded. Tom Brady's there. Jay-Z is there. I think Beyonce was there. Kim Kardashian. James Harden. Lil Baby. Meek Mill. Joe Burrow. I mean, the list goes on and on. It's almost like a who's who of anybody in music, sports, entertainment, at this party in the Hamptons. Taylor Rooks was there. Taylor Rooks was there. Uh, Taylor, where's the plus one? Taylor, <laughs> plus two, I know. Taylor's the homie. I know, you that's know, what I'm saying. Like, I, I enjoy watching Taylor's ascension in life because I feel like I feel like one of us made it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I feel absolutely, like, man. There's like a feeling of like, yo, I, I want to see Taylor get all the things because I feel like as long as Taylor's there, I'm there. You know what I mean? I do this with every person I know who blows up. I'm like, all right, like you know, you know, technically, I have I have a claim to this as well. I just a buddy of mine. I actually hired him uh, 
uh, I got him his first NBA job. I hired him, right? Uh-huh. Or I co-hired him. Me and me and my 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 other buddy, Rich Paul. No, no. Oh, okay. He's he's uh he's an assistant say. coach on the Nuggets. Mm-hmm. And like I'm like yo, technically that my championship ring. bonus, <laughs> not the ring. I'm talking about the playoff oh, bonus. Homie, oh, hell yeah, I want to <laughs> cut. You wouldn't even be here if it wasn't for me. You're I, doing the Diddy 360 deal. I'm just saying, man. Like a, it's wild. A thank you would be nice. Like just <laughs> a little in an envelope, you little, know, little Rolex action. Something, you know. What are the chances you ever get invited to the Mike Rubin party? Zero. Zero chance ever. You don't believe. This is where you can start to put in some of your athlete, like... I'm going to tell you why it's zero. Delusional no, self. No, no. It's not about delusion. Okay. It's not about like, oh, I'll never be invited. They don't even know who... No, it's not that. Yeah. They know exactly who I am. They know who I am. That's why I'm not getting invited. And you're not getting on the list. So I get for, I get in there, first of all, all like 80% of the people in there are people have talked shit about at some point or another. <laughs> okay. Like, all of them, like, there he goes. Like, Dang. Are you the black Skip Bayless a little no, bit? No, 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 no. 80% is no. a high number of me. Yeah. That's not great. I, here's the thing. I always, I always say this. I'm like, why are they mad? Mm-hmm. Well, you said this, that, and that. And? And I'm like. Well, it might be a little true, but that like that's the thing. It's like mm, I, Skip says, teller. yeah, Skip says stuff that are just shock just value. ridiculous, shock yeah. value. I say stuff that I mean, look, man, you, you want to name drop? I'm name drop right here. Shaq has told me straight up, he will. Whoop. You can't say that. Oh, and okay. I said, am I wrong? He said, you can't say that. And I said, but am I wrong? He said, you're not wrong, but you don't have the G14 classification to say that. Ooh. Like okay. that's and that like that comes from the diesel, right? Like his thing is like you're not incorrect in what you're saying. Your assessments aren't incorrect. You're just not the messenger we're looking exactly. for. Exactly. Like okay. and that's the problem with a lot of I would say at least definitely from the athlete perspective, the either there's a feeling that I don't have the the right to uh-huh. say these things or that uh, and I I realize baked in within that is there's a bunch of people who don't know my background. They think I'm just a pretty face in a microphone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they don't know that, like, that's why the older guys kind of are usually more, because they know, like, oh, no, I mean, worked here, mm-hmm. and they know who I work with, and they they vetted me, you know what I'm saying? But like, that's the conundrum of everybody. Even athletes now, like, that were great athletes, yeah. the new athletes will look at them and be like, well, yo, you? shut up, you hating. Like, it's just, that's well, just a part I, of the like, game. There's a difference between telling, like, Charles Barkley, you hating because you old and I'm making more money than you are, uh-huh. versus... Me, where they're like, who the hell are you? Who the hell is this a mean guy as one? Uh-huh. one uh, man, I'll tell this story right now on Uh-oh. air. Why let's, not? Let's get it. Is it the first time you ever told it? On uh, on air? I wish I had the bomb. Can I get the sound effect where it's... <laughs> I feel like I deserve one of those. So just... It was trade deadline maybe like five years ago. Uh-huh. And on the show, Rachel Nichols is hosting. It's Scotty Pippen. Mm-hmm. It's David Fisdale. Who was not friends with Michael Jordan. Who was not friends with Michael Jordan, yeah. Join late. <laughs> the tears are welling up again. <laughs> Go ahead. It's David Fisdale, right? And it's me. You know, Fizz has been a head coach in the league and assistant coach for a long time. Scotty, you, we all know who Scotty is. And me, I worked in front offices, right? Mm-hmm. So Rachel asked a question. I don't even, to this day, I don't remember what the question was. But whatever the question was, Scotty gave his answer, which was, Whatever it was, it was this, and the way I see it, it's, it's got to be like this. And Fizz says, yeah, like, I can't say it any better than Scotty, and he basically agrees. And it comes to me, and I'm like, yeah, I'm like, I'm not going to go against these guys on this point. Like, it's pretty straightforward. It is what it is, right? Mm-hmm. You should have turned that into a show. But I go know, ahead. damn. But then, I, like, in a commercial break, I get on Twitter, 
And Patrick Beverly tweets, who is this a mean guy? He doesn't know anything. And I'm like, buddy, if you have a, there's two guys right here. Mm-hmm. Why don't you say they don't know anything? You don't agree with what I said? Okay. There goes Scotty. Say, Scotty don't know what he's talking about. There go Fizz. Say, Fizz, you won't pick me because you don't know who I am. Mm-hmm. You don't or know. Or he feels best about his chances when he sees you in public. He saw me in public. Was it beef? It was. Was it this? Was it, did it what happened then? This is a story we want to get to, I mean. What so, happened? Who so, started it? I, so I went, he was taping. My friend says, hey, we're taping this podcast. And this, this is All-Star Weekend a couple of years later. Uh-huh. So I said, yeah, I'll swing through. I come through. He's in the chair. He's getting interviewed, mm-hmm. right, by like a producer. It's not even like a. Like, like a, on air yet. It's, it's, yeah, it's not even like this. It's not like two, two people are hosting a guest. Okay. It's literally a producer feeding lines off camera, off mic, and he's answering, right? He sees me walk in, and he starts saying all this stuff about like, what, like the producer asked, what, what do you think is the, the biggest problem with this, the game right now? All these media people who don't actually watch games or go to games but sit in studios talking. I'm like, mm, okay. Okay, now, direct mind shot. You, there's like 20 people in this room. The not so subliminal. So I'm okay. like, oh, you know what, man? They're doing their thing. Be professional. Let them finish their thing. And then when it's done, we'll have a conversation. Uh-huh. So the whole, every answer he has is like either ridiculous, just ridiculous, like, uh, what's the toughest challenge? Like, who's the toughest person to guard? No one's hard to guard. Like, what about LeBron? LeBron's not hard to guard. I'm like, okay, dude. Like, oh, you're really tough. Ooh, it's not hard to guard anybody. Like, it would be like me asking you, like, yo, who's uh-huh. someone that you worried about coming across the middle? Nobody. Like, nobody. Like, okay, but we know that's not a real answer. Because if it was, you would just go do the same thing against everybody, but you don't. But you don't. You don't, right? right? Okay, I but get again, that. It's either these kind of ridiculous answers or, like, stuff that felt like really veiled shots. Uh-huh. So at the end of it, over, all right, everyone great, da-da-da. He starts dapping people up, like, because he's about the way on out. My friend says, hey, Pat, you know what I mean, right? And he mumbles something. Now, did your friend know that it was potential no, beef? No, my friend did not know. Okay. And I said, I'm sorry, did you say... Unfortunately, or did you say I don't think so? Or so you were like, say it, was, it with your it was, chest, Pat. It was, it was, no, but I really didn't. He, he mumbled it, so I was okay. like, it sounded like unfortunately, but it also could have sounded like something like I don't think so, or something like that. The way he mumbled it, and he says a little louder, unfortunately, and so you know me, I'm I got I got that Gilbert Arenas crazy in me, so I just laugh, I laugh, and I look around and I say, why is it so unfortunate to know who I am? And he says. I just feel like you be saying things. And then I said, what did I say? Well, I can't think. Mind you, this whole time he's not making eye contact. It's down, it's up, it's around to the left or whatever. Mm-hmm. What did I say? Well, I can't think of anything right now. And then he walks out. And that yep. was it. And that was it. But and y'all like, cool now? I don't know. I don't, I don't give that a was shit. the last time y'all, y'all that was interacted? The last, last time I saw him in person, yeah. Now it's Pat just, Bev is a member of the media, man. We got we to gotta get y'all on the show together. We got to talk this out right here on Journey. I don't need to talk shit out. My life is great. <laughs> I, don't, like, I don't need closure out of this. I know, you know, it's not I about use, closure. Pat I, Bev I, is like the, he might be a, a Hall of Fame journeyman as it pertains to the NBA. He goes overseas. He comes back. He's a name we know. Congratulations. He made a lot of money uh, and he's had a long career. And I, you know, I I scouted him when he was in college. I thought he was a good player. Mm-hmm. I think he's carved himself out a nice little NBA career. But if it's sh- beef, it's beef. I don't give a shit. Like, I'm, like it's not it's not that if it's beef, it's beef. It's if I talk shit about Andrew Hawkins all day long, uh-huh. right on Twitter, whatever, whatever, and then Andrew Hawkins is right here in front of me, and I don't have, I can't be like, 
hey, man, what? Because uh, uh, I told the Austin Rivers story, right? No. Uh, uh, we, don't, we have enough time I don't know if we this. got enough time for the but Austin Rivers story. I, the, like, the, the quick version is Austin had a problem with some my assessments of him. Uh-huh. But then when I saw him, he actually came up to me and we had a conversation. Talked to that. And actually, I walked away feeling like a piece of shit because okay. I was like, oh, this is like a nice guy, man, and I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. just being a dick. Right. <laughs> that makes sense. That makes sense. Do you do you feel like you you hold vendettas? No, I think there's honestly there's only like a handful of people. Well, they're not all alive now, so it's I guess it's it's oh, a couple wow. less. But yeah, there's only like it's less than five people that I'm like it's on site forever. Like forever. I, I will never rock with you. Most other people like Pat. I don't care about. I'm not angry at him. I don't hate on him. It's it's really like just a funny story to illustrate to me that like. Guys are always angry, but many times have the opportunity to either resolve it or talk about it or yeah. or express your frustration and rage, and they never do, at least not with me. Right. So. That makes sense. I do a lot of jokes on uh, the internet. I do a lot of sketches, and I've had players come up to me with beef, too. But the thing is, I make fun of myself, and my, my thing is always, I'm like, yo, it's never... Ill, like if I make fun of me, I'll make fun of you. I don't love you more than I love me. And I literally <laughs> built a career off of being self-deprecating. So I've had NFL players come up to me with beef or NBA players not like me because, you know, because I name, joke name names. I, I'm not going to name. You just names. made me name two. I know because you like that kind of. No. You know what? I, <laughs> this is a good. This is a good segue because I want to ask. You remember you did the I think American Ninja Warrior. Yeah. And you fell off. Yeah. And I was like, yo, that's hilarious. And I put like Mario music. I don't know if you know no, that. I'd, yes, I've seen it. <laughs> I did that on my yeah. on my iMac. And I've always wondered, I'm like, I wonder if that made I wonder if that made a mean mad. Be honest. It didn't make me mad. It didn't make you mad. It was one of eight billion. I was people. gonna that's what Dude, my thing. It was I, I when I did American Ninja Warrior the second time, uh-huh. I, they rolled out a red carpet and I was like, why is everyone being so nice to me? And one of the guys <laughs> said, Your clip was one of the most watched American Ninja Warrior clips in the history of the show. I made that edit, and it got 10 million views. There you go. You, uh, on mine alone. Again, break me off. <laughs> Where's my cut? Where's my cut? You know what I'm saying? Everybody profiting <laughs> off all the mean. Ain't no thank you envelope anywhere. No nothing, huh? Yes, I saw that shit, man. <laughs> <laughs> to answer your question, I saw that shit. <laughs> I done seen the Grand Theft Auto one. I done seen every <laughs> single version of that shit. <laughs> I've seen the one that the, the, you remember like they would do this shit when someone would get crossed over or whatever. Uh-huh. They would freeze frame oh, it frame and, it. Then, and then take the, 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 this all across the world with that music. That's like the next level edit. I don't even have those editing skills. If you got that treatment, it was, you're right. That clip was next level. It's like the, Told they legit because I'll never forget because the first time the director was like a complete asshole like hey do this and get out of the way we're trying to make a TV show here that I'm like man they asked me to come do this shit man I ain't asked y'all what are you fucking yelling at me for and then like the next time I did it the same dude walks up and gives me like the full on like love you bro the, like a like straight hug not not a dab hug <laughs> like, two arms no embrace dab, what do you in. need hey craft services is over here that i'm like what the fuck is going on they, they had the uh, nbc executive because it was at um universal uh-huh. at the lot so uh-huh. they were like nbc execs were doing a tour 
And they were like, oh, they all came up to me and shook my hand. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Dude. Like, at first, I'm like, oh, man, big ESPN fans. I'm like, no. I'm like, no. That's no. the PR guy. I was like, all right, man, what's going on? He's like, your clip was one of the most watched clips in the history of the show. That does so much for that show, too. Dude, like, because those are in decks. They're, like, know, getting shows renewed off of that. I'm saying it, but, but you know why? Because he said, you know, typically their shit can't cross over to it, ESPN. It's so hard to because, get to the sports side, guys. Because, it, well, not only that, not, but also, yeah. yes, that, but also because of, like, network wars. Like, mm-hmm. they're not, is not going to put on something right. that came on NBC, right? That makes sense. But because it was me, First Take showed it. Uh, yep. uh, sports Center showed it. Sports, sports Nation. Nation. Yep. Highly questionable. Like, every program other than, like, Outside the Lines, I think. I had it on there. On that. And, like, on repeat. <laughs> and for like a week, shit went super viral, man. So, um, hey, man. And I did you a favor. I didn't get shit. What are you? Doing? <laughs> I'm, I didn't get paid either. None I'm, of us I'm got TLC paid. right here, man. <laughs> I sold 10 million records and I owe money. <laughs> Not TLC. <laughs> and that's it for Journeyman this week. Shout out to my guy Amin El Hassan. Make sure you journey back next week, same time, same place. And until then, where's the beef?